With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Come meet me at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone, come gather around. To your favorite sound, we'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We're gonna talk about the Cardinals all night long. And we welcome you to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdell, C70s about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird at A Medlock One on Twitter. Um, coming at you at a, after, you know, Alan, I don't know what we're going to do about this team. They lost a game this week. What's up with that? I mean, but thankfully they didn't do that until after they had already clinched the wild card. Uh, Cardinals are going to be in the postseason again, which is fairly typical but not something we saw coming even a month ago no absolutely not i mean that's uh i kind of wondered if they were going to uh back their way into the playoffs here for you know after that loss on uh, wednesday mm-hmm. the uh it, it's funny that we talk about this and just to see where the ups and downs of the season goes the ebbs and flows it's pretty impressive and then you look and and, you know, the manager that we wanted fired that had no control has been in the playoffs three straight years. Yep. You know, one of those. It's, uh, it's a miracle what uh, 17 straight wins will do for you. But, boy, it's been fun. One of the funnest stretches that I can remember. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is something we won't um, ever see again. I was just this morning getting a chance to finally start on chirps with Alex and Tara. And Alex made the point that, you know, 17 games is over 10% of the season, which is, you know, I hadn't really thought of, but that's, you know, that's an insane amount, you know, I mean, to, to win that many games and to do it in a fashion that was fun. And I do it, you know, I think a lot of people are going to, and, and possibly in a retrospect, if they come back and look at that, they say, well, look, the Mets finished under 500, the Padres finished under 500, the Cubs were good. But at the time, you know, those teams were in contention. That run except for those few games against the Cubs or against teams that were above 500 and playing either playing for the postseason or already in the postseason. Um, when you back it up and you take those last two games against the Dodgers that they won, um, it's, it's a stretch of baseball that they don't have any, should not have any complaints about because not only did they win, they beat some really good teams. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's crazy how, how they essentially put the death nail in some of these teams. Yeah. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the Mets had hope when St. Louis came in, it was one of those that's like, Hey, we're facing somebody that's in the, in the hunt with us to do that. Then to go in and to take care of San Diego and, uh, you know, to, uh, to go in and in an impressive fashion for a team that was trying to clinch in Milwaukee, you know, Mm -hmm. to do what you did. It was, uh, man, it was impressive. It's funny because I thought Lester last week in Wrigley made the comment of, uh, he goes, man, to win five straight games in the bigs to do this many, yeah. he goes, is unheard of. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, you know, you you see how they ran through Milwaukee this last two weeks, you know, winning six of seven. And you just, you know, you kind of wish, hey, yeah, three, three, oh. more, three more wins yeah. in, in June and, and you don't give up that slam to Vogelbach, you know, uh, right before this streak start, you know, back in, in August what are you playing for this week? You know, maybe you're playing yeah. for something else, but you know, when we say that and we know how many bolt downs they've had and all that, I got to figure you talk to a Brewers fan and they say, yeah, but we lost this game in the ninth and we lost that. We should have had that game. You know, there's probably two or three games that they feel like way. There's always going to be games like that in your season, but yeah, it's a little bit. And I think 
Cardinals won yesterday. So that means that at worst they can finish nine games behind the Brewers. And that's probably, probably not going to finish that far back. I don't think there's that much of a gap between those two teams. Now you can make the case that there's a significant gap between those two teams and the teams out in the West. And maybe that's an argument, but um, between the Cardinals and the Brewers, even though the Brewers won the division fairly handily, I don't know that, you know, you put those two teams up together in a seven game series, it probably goes game seven. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I remember having the conversation uh, I can't remember if it was on air or off that you're just like, well, Milwaukee's just that much better, you know, mm-hmm. at one point in the season. And you're thinking the matchups just don't work. And there's still some late any matchups that you want to avoid. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, lineup to lineup right now, you almost want to give the uh, advantage to the Cardinals because there's their stars are playing and, and, uh, and Milwaukee's not, aren't necessarily, you know, so, and I know yeah. that, that could kind of how it goes throughout the season, but uh but yeah, I mean, you you feel like you're in the mix right now, and you're also riding a high from the from the winning streak. Sure. But but uh, it, it was really funny at the ballpark last week. I was bragging; <laughs> everybody was talking to me about the win streak and why not. And, <laughs> and I said flat out, I go, one of the guys is from LA and he's a Dodger fan, and I said I kind of want Wayne Wright Scherzer to be honest with you. I, I go because mm-hmm. that way you knock that one out, and you feel like you may have the advantage in the Giant series. I know yeah. that's putting yeah. the cart before the horse, but. But uh, I would rather knock that one out as quickly as possible than have to face that rotation, you know, mm-hmm. more than one time through. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's just fun. And, and you know, the re- the rebuttal was no one wants to play the Cardinals right now anyway. <laughs> so I was like, that's a good feeling. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, granted, a lot of hot teams have gone into the playoffs and just hit a brick wall. I mean, that's in the Cardinals would not be the first to do that if that's the case. But. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, obviously, I think the best thing, I think everybody knows, the best thing would be for the Dodgers and and, Pod, and Giants to tie and have to play a game 163 and then face whoever. Um, but that's not likely to happen. The Giants would need to, I mean, the Giants are up two games with three to play. It's the, technically possible. But the Giants are also going to go play San Diego. And I'm not sure San Diego is even a team right now. Has much interest like, in being there. Yeah, yeah, they they're you know once they got eliminated, it's just it hasn't seemed like it. Um, and you could say that maybe even before they get eliminated, but that's a that's a different story. There's an article in the um, Athletic today about the Padres that I have only gotten a chance to start, and but it uh, I, there's a lot of dysfunction going on over there. It sounds like it looks like I mean for a team that was you know a third of the way through the season one of the best teams in baseball, and those games against the Dodgers and the Padres early on were just so intense and then everything just vanished on them. It's, uh, it's tough to see, but, um, but yeah, I agree. Um, and somebody pointed out, and it's a very interesting thing to point out. We know how well Max Scherzer is in general and how well Max Scherzer has pitched since he went to the Dodgers, but his last two games, one was in Colorado. So we'll give you, we'll give you that, but one was in Dodger stadium. Uh, 10 earned runs, 11 total runs in just over 10 innings. You know, is he in a little bit of a, a slump or is that just, you know, who knows? Um, probably not. That's probably Max Scherzer. And once the, you know, real game, you know, post that one game, he's going to be fired up for it. But, you know, you're right. Put him up against Adam Wainwright um, and take your chances. I mean, I'm not, I, the Cardinals are not going to be favored in that game. Um, and the Cardinals very well might not win that game, but the Cardinals are just have have more than just a coin flip chance, I think. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I that's and it's one of those situations where even even though Wainwright hasn't necessarily looked sharp and mm-hmm. how he doesn't always perform well, he's kind of the I, you know where we we kind of push more rest on Molina. You kind of yeah. want to stay in more of a rhythm with Wainwright. Yeah, I still think that you're you're throwing your best punch punch against them, you know, and I think the pressure's all on on LA at that point. So if there's any crack right now to Scherzer, it's interesting to expose it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, people do point out, hey, the Cardinals have better luck with the Dodgers in the postseason than the Giants. You know, it is true they have in the past, but you know. That also, I think that also depends on the teams that go out there. And, you know, that we saw the Cardinals, even when they were kind of, well, not this super team that we've seen the last three weeks, you know, they took the season series from the Giants. They've won, 
quite. I think they went two out of three in both both in L in San Francisco and in Bush right there around the All Star break. Um, actually, they took three. Did they take three or four out in San Francisco? I have to look that up. But anyway, yeah, they, I was trying. Feels like they did for some reason. Let me. Uh, it's it's been it's been a couple minutes since since July, so yeah. um, we'll pull that up real fast and see. Uh, now they won two of three out in and there, and two of three at home. So yeah, they played six games against them, um, and you know they looked good. Yeah, I mean they didn't just dominate the Giants, but you know I would rather face them overall because you're right that that yeah. Dodger Dodge Dodger. Uh, Rotation may have you know three, two or three guys that are going to be in the in the Cy Young uh, race. Although, to be said, Milwaukee's going to have those too, and the Cardinals have yeah. beaten all those guys this last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and that is, uh, I, I Milwaukee gets overlooked a little bit on those. To be honest mm. with you, just because they're not the Dodgers, but uh, but yeah, they played those West Coast teams really well, and uh, and I do. There's a, a there is a part of me that it's like, man. I I have bad memories of all the games out there in San Francisco. Sure. You know, and that that's my issue. But, you know, like a couple of my buddies pointed out, and this is probably the bad thing today to say, the Giants have a lot of they kind of feel like that early 2000s Seattle team. Mm. You know, and that's, you know, it's one of those where, you know, you could see a pretty early exit with that. But I don't know. They just seem to win every night. Yeah. They do. And I mean, it helps when you're playing, you know, you've got the Diamondbacks and the um, Rockies in your division. Although the Rockies have played much better in the second half too. So maybe that's not a. Yeah. At home, they're, I mean, they were on like a historic run until about a month ago at home. They were almost unbeatable. Yeah. And I think they've played better. I think they've played better on the road in the second half. Although I'd have to look that up and say, maybe level that a little bit more. I hadn't followed Um, it. I just knew at one point they were like a 101 team. Yeah. Well, back when when the Cardinals went out there, they they were like that, right? They were playing at a hundred win clip or something of that nature uh, at at Coors. But um, yeah, it's, and it's, you know, it's fun to be able to talk about these things, about seeing what we want to, to imagine. I mean, this time next week, the Cardinals may be, may be done or they may be, you know, looking to play San Francisco RLA in that five game uh, series. And it does feel, I mean, I guess every team probably feels this way, right? When they get at the playoffs, if you're going to get in the playoffs, you kind of feel like you could go that all that way. If things go right for them. I don't know that it takes a lot to go right for the Cardinals to get to the world series. Even, um, you know, if, if they beat the Dodgers or whoever in the play in game, you figure they get a really good chance in the against either as long as they, if they play the Giants in the second round, second round, that first round, I guess. Um, this stupid wild card game, um, you know. But um, if you beat the if you beat the Dodgers, you can beat the Giants. Then you're looking at Milwaukee or Atlanta, both of which would seem to be pretty beatable, right? I mean, not that you're going to beat them, but you know, you don't feel overwhelmed by those guys, especially if you've gone and beaten the Dodgers and beaten the Giants. Um, and then you play whoever for the American league. I mean, there is a path there that doesn't seem like a whole lot of ifs, ands, and buts. It feels like it's a reasonable path. Yeah. And they, they have put together a roster that would, uh, that would compete with, with the way, with the way that, that, uh, the playoffs are managed now. The Cardinals have a have a roster that will help that out. I don't think they're as completely deep off the bench, but I will say no. I think that they have the uh, the pitching staff to complete a postseason run. Just because I think that you you've banked in these two times through the order order starter starters other than Wainwright, and then you get you figure it out. That's I feel like Alex Reyes looms large on this, and mm-hmm. I, that's going to be a multiple inning mid game guy if they have a little bit of confidence in him. I. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this would happen, but you could also see a situation where maybe he doesn't make one of the postseason rosters. But I don't. That's that seems a little far fetched to me. But they they are put together really well to make a run if they get past the the wild card game. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And this wild card roster is going to be kind of interesting, right? I mean, yeah, we we talked about this I think last week. Um, whereas you know, determining the postseason roster doesn't mean anything like it used to because all you have to do is basically cut off two guys, um, which is not 
uh, the biggest decisions to make. I mean, there are some, but it's not, it's not like when you had 35 guys and you could really make a choice. Um, that being said, and I'll get to a little bit more to the whole roster thing in a minute, but we have seen in baseball over the last five years, probably at least, a increasing number of players that make their debut in the postseason, right? I think, I feel like Mondesi with the Royals was the first one in like 2015. We saw a couple of guys last year. I don't think the Cardinals front office is aggressive enough to do this, but wouldn't it be interesting to see Juan Yepes be one of those bench bats uh, um, in, in the, in the postseason? <laughs> Bench bat with a potential to DH, yeah. Because that, I I wonder what they would do in a World Series type situation, you know. And I know that mm. that's that's way you know yeah, way beyond yeah. you know. It, it, but it, that's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about that. I'm guilty of, of thinking when Sosa got hurt that this is going to be a fracture. I don't care what that initial initial X-ray says. Where he got hit, that was hamate bone central. And yeah. I was like, "This is not gonna. This is not gonna gonna go well." And I thought, "Well, at least you have the young who catches fire and really lengthens that lineup if he can do it." I know mm-hmm. that it's it seems far fetched, but you never know. But I did wonder. I was thinking, so what move do they make here? What position right. player do they go get? Because at that point, you got you have to think it would have been Yepes or uh, Gorman. And you thought, "Well, is this going to be a, a K Rod type situation?" Mm-hmm. Where you could come up and maybe even a Rosa, in a Rosarana type situation, nothing to those historic levels, but you can find lightning in a bottle on that. And until you brought that up just now, I hadn't hadn't even thought about that for a playoff scenario. But it is interesting because you kind of wonder what they will do on those bench bats. I think they have a lot of confidence in Rondon, and that's why yeah. he's probably played the last two days as well. Yeah. But let's just say you do make it all the way into a late October run. Are you looking at a Rondon slash Carpenter? I mean, that's not as much as we love Matt Carpenter. That's not very overwhelming and not lengthening the lineup that you would hope that would happen. So that that would be intriguing to me. But this is not the organization to try that. I just wish they would be. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. And you're right. I mean, the idea. I think they almost would have. I think they would have almost had to have gone to Gorman if Sosa was gone, just to have that middle infield. You know, Tommy Edgar can play short. If Paul DeYoung doesn't, but if Paul, if Tommy Edmonds playing short, who's playing second, right? Yeah, um, and that's a, I, it's it's funny because it it Rondon is such a big blocky guy to me. Mm-hmm. It's funny that he's played shortstop in the past. You yeah, know, I don't I know that yeah. doesn't make any sense. He just seems like a like almost a masher at this point. It, it, I don't know, and I may be completely wrong on that. No, I, I feel like you're 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 right that it it does surprise me. You know, I think of Rondon as like an outfielder corner type, and he actually is a middle infield type. But we haven't seen him play much middle infield, no, so we don't really no. think about it. So, and if you remember before the uh, before the Arenado trade, we had a conversation with Jeff Jones, and we thought that there would be a combination of uh, of uh, Rondon and Sosa as the starting second baseman for the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And things have, things Seems changed. weird now. Yeah. yeah, things changed a lot in about yeah. two weeks after that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I guess you, you know, I say that they would have almost had to get Gorman, but, you know, they probably would have put Rondon and Carpenter at second base if Edmund had to play short and probably felt good about it. And But, I, but they'd had to bring up somebody. I mean, they had to brought up some bat, and I don't – there's nobody – well, I could have, I could have brought up Justin Williams or something like that, but which that may be. I mean, when you look at this organization and how conservative they are, and and the fact that when there's something intriguing to do, they do the opposite. Yeah, um, yeah, it probably would have been Justin Williams or Austin Dean that would have come up. Um, it's a little bit surprising to me, not not because there's been a need for him or something, but last I looked, I mean, Justin Williams has done fine at the at memphis i don't think he's been great but he's been all right i'm a little bit surprised he hasn't had another shot at the big leagues as as much as we've talked about how they you know they seem to really like him and but then again he didn't play much last year it was a little bit surprising to see them keep him this year and i'm assuming that he'll be out of the organization next year yeah i would think so and it, it was it's one of those where there was a part of me that i was thinking i i think he can be a serviceable outfielder I mm-hmm. thought that he could probably be a new bar type, but new bar, I think is that much. I think he's significantly more 
athletic. That's the feeling yeah. I get out of at a new bar. But I don't without Bader, I think that they were kind of struggling to find any kind of consistency in the outfield. Um, you know, it's tough to say that with his, you know, Bader was on fire in July, you know, very pedestrian in August, and then September yeah. bounced back. The thing is with Bader, whenever he plays center field, they're a different team. And it's just that they do so much more fluid. You can tell the car that uh, Carlson is comfortable in right field and, mm-hmm. and it just, and, and it fits really well. And I think with the Williams situation, I think that they were just trying to catch lightning in a bottle with somebody. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at it. He hit, he's hitting 284 with six homers in 22 games at Memphis. You know, he was hurt a lot this year. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, as I think about it more, you know, we were really surprised why is Justin Williams making this team? They did it. You know, we always felt like he was not a real priority when he doesn't, he got like what two at bats in that whole pandemic year. It's like he called up everybody, but Justin Williams. Yeah. So maybe it's not as surprising when you think about it, but you know, and you're right. I mean, they, they've kind of content with four outfielders with the idea that they can put Tommy Edmund or even Jose Rondon out there if they have to. Um, so and that and that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, there's not exactly a whole lot of people banging down the door to get to, to, to St. Louis, but there's not a whole lot of need for somebody right now. I mean, you could talk about what the Cardinals can do in the offseason to upgrade this team. You know, maybe it's, you know, imp- improving on Tommy Edmond or or things of that nature. But you, know, you look at this team and it's pretty much the team you're going to see next year. Um, and it's a team that's, you know, fairly cohesive i think you know there's yeah. nothing that you know nothing that really just stands out right now like i said i'm not saying that you can't go i don't think that the cardinals should or will use that as an argument to say they don't need to you know upgrade at some point sure. spot. but um you know right now everything seems to be going well for them yeah i know exactly what you mean it's it's one of those to where their patience has their patience has paid off it, considerably in the outfield. And I feel like they think that that they could probably, they could, you're, you're probably playing on goodwill, but I think that they, they feel like they're going to be able to figure that infield out because Gorman's looming. Right. So I think that this run probably takes you out of any of the big shortstop market. And, you know, we had that conversation of, Hey, you don't get these four guys out there very often. But uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the waters they're going to play in. I, I think that they, you will probably have a lot of extension talk with some of these guys. I, I f- still feel like you're probably going to have that pretty heavily with Bader, um, yeah. either Bader or O'Neill at this point. And I think that you're probably going to start seeing some of those times of if we think we can sign Flaherty, let's see what we can do now. Um, that's the way that yeah. I look at their probably offseason because I think that I think all signs point to you're going to have Gorman and, and Libertor in St. Louis, if not on opening day, at least by Memorial day, you know, and that's, uh, and that, those, that's, those, that, those are two big pieces that you're going to have. So I just don't, I just don't see how you're going to have to be creative on how you make room for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is something I, I worry a little bit. I got to thinking about it today. I think I was listening to, um, Ben and Ben on the Cardinal off day podcast. Um, and they said something about Sosa and it made me a little bit concerned that the Cardinals would try to like lock up Sosa with this idea that he could be like, kind of like Paul DeYoung, you know, we, they locked him up really early and it's not actually necessarily paid out, panned out the way they were. I'm afraid we're seeing like the best of Edmundo Sosa and they're going to pay for him. Like he's going to improve where he's, you know, this is really all he is, even though it's been very good this year. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, and it's a little bit of a worry with Bader as well that, although I think Bader's figures and stuff out, uh, you're going to pay for a really good season and a really good, you know, thing. And it's not going to turn out because we, that's, that's the history of their, of their extensions right now. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it is funny because when you pull up the numbers and the overall numbers of, uh, Sosa are good, not great. You know, kind of what I, I mean, more than you probably hoped for, considering right, that right. you didn't expect him to be the everyday guy. But his everyday numbers are really good, which that's kind of one of those deals where I'm, it makes me think, well, I never thought about an extension, but I did wonder if that would make DeYoung more tradable 
you know, one of those, one a situation like that. I had never thought about a locked up early to just to, to kind of get those guaranteed years. I'm not, I'm not, I hadn't really thought about that. That would surprise me, but uh, I do kind of wonder what player he's going to be. You know, because it's a guy yeah. that we thought, well, make the roster. Of course, no, you know, he had no options left, but let's make right. the roster or you know try to pass waivers. But you know, he could be a utility man somewhere. So you feel like he's going to get picked up to where, you know. Is one season enough to, to bank on that to sign him? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it seems like that would be putting in more than 50% of the value that you get on the scale where it's, you know, you go 50% from one year and then, you know, another 50 from the last two. I mean, you have that kind of track record that you would want to do that. Yeah, yeah it's kind of funny to think back in spring training when everybody wanted to let, you know, Sosa just be cut so that Jose Rondon can play. Yeah. Um, you know, that that changed pretty quickly. I do worry. This makes me think of, you know, you were talking about it. You're, you're saying, Hey, they've got middle infield guys. They're not going to do anything because of how Sosa's played. And they've got Paul DeYoung and blah, blah, blah. That argument with the fact that these guys like Korea and all these other going to be out there really makes me think of one of the things the Cardinals have said they messed up on in not signing Max Scherzer. Cause they felt like they had a full rotation and there wasn't necessarily yeah. a spot for him. I do you think that maybe they've kind of learned from that and say, look, we may not have, you know, a, a gear. We'll figure this out, but this is our one chance to get a, you know, franchise changing player. Yeah. yeah that I would almost like to see them have that kind of that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, if that is, if they do play in that market, I feel like it would be Trevor story. Yeah, you know, because I honestly, the way that you pr- probably measure him out, some people put him in as the second best shortstop. You know, arguably he could be the fourth best of the market. You know what I mean? Of those four, when I mm-hmm. say Correa, Seager, Baez, and Story is the way that I would probably rank them, if not Story three. Um, the uh, I I think that you could probably. X off the top two, which would be Seager, who would be a great fit in Correa, because those guys are going to bring in a lot of money. But if that were the way, if that was the way that they thought about it, of hey, we missed out on this once because we had we thought we had too much, we can't afford to do that again. I feel I feel like it would probably be Trevor Story if they did that. Yeah, I think you know there was some talk about him at the All Star break or at the trade deadline. You know, nothing that. I don't know that there was anything close, but they definitely seemed to check in on him. Um, and granted, the other two weren't available, so they might have checked in on them as well. Um, and, you know, Story's second half has been better. He's kind of, you know, that was that slump that everybody was talking about. We, we've we obviously seen that getting somebody out of Coors Field can be fine. Um, Nolan Arenado hasn't seemed to have any real ill effects <laughs> from that, at least in the power department. Um you know, I, I, it would be fun. And I, and I hope that they'll, I hope they won't say, because we've talked about this a lot, right? We've talked about the Dodgers and other teams that say, we don't, or Milwaukee even some t- to some point, it's like, we're going to get these guys and then we'll figure out what we're going to do with them. Yeah. Because it's better to have talent than not. Um, and I think the Cardinals are going to have to do some of that to, to go from, you know, a, also because they were, I mean, they, they were second in the central and it, you know, without this, you know, even if they go, what, you know, 13 and four over this stretch instead of 17 and Oh, we're still having some little bit of angst right now. Right. I mean, yeah. things aren't locked up and 13 and four is great. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that I'm afraid 17 and Oh, might paper over a few things. Um, even though it also may be an indication that, the early part of the year was not true either. Um, I do think that they're going to, hopefully they look at this team as an overall perspective and say, look, we can, we need to get better. We need to be, because Milwaukee's probably not going away. I don't worry too much about the rest of the division, but Milwaukee's probably not going away. And then even then it's not good enough just to win the national, the NL central. They need to be competitive with some of the bigger teams. So, you know, this is a chance for them to, not necessarily to take what's good and then to add to it. And hopefully they will. It will be interesting to see how they handle that because I, I kind of thought the same thing, you know, it's one of those, you're just like, man, they're so fluid and everything's going so well right now. And, 
And we've even made the comment how year to year we don't think that the Cardinals make that much of a knee-jerk reaction on their uh, on, on the next season's roster. Right, right. Just because they put in, you know, the long view of it. I still think that this probably – I think you're right. I think that this probably wins over and probably saves some guys from leaving the organization. Um, but I, I do wonder if they do, don't see how things operate in Milwaukee and, you know – and to see that they're going to have to improve in, in that aspect. I mean, yeah, it's one of those one of those things as well to where I know that you're not going to bank on this very much, but look what Atlanta's going to be next year. Yeah. You know, they held on to win the division this year for a fourth year in a row, and they probably have a top three player that's not playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get a Cunha back next year. You're going to be loaded. I think that they're going to have to play in those type of waters now. Um, you know, it's tough to argue with the success. You know, it's it's unparalleled when you look at it under under Mo and I know that we like to beat him up and we made comments and you know maybe they need to make some changes but but this is one of those to where you feel like you could you could um um you could build on this instead Ooh. of setting back and seeing where it goes you know and pay that but that patience means so much to them and it's going to matter too I guess we should maybe touch on the controversy that came out yesterday with um Mike Shannon <laughs> somehow said during the broadcast that word on the street where the DeWitts were going to try to sell the team, the Cardinals kind of immediately pushed back on that saying, we don't know where Mike's heard that. And given Mike's, you know, <laughs> uh, age and the ability, the fact that he's leaving in, you know, three games, I, I don't know how much you put into that. I don't know what he's heard. I don't know if he's, you know, heard some people say they should sell the team and he took that different way. I yeah. don't know if there is something to it. It seems a little bit weird to me though, right? I mean, the Cardinals are a money factory. That's what we keep yeah. saying. That's what the, the criticism about DeWitt is that he's, you know, just raking in the money and not spending it. Well, then why would you sell the place? You know, why sure. would you give a, you know, give away, not give away. I mean, obviously he's going to get a lot of money out of it, but, you know, something that's a consistent, cash flow for you why would did you go sell it for the one-time thing um unless you're looking at i mean capital gains taxes all that i you know i don't want to talk about that yeah i was well i was going to ask you some of those questions because it it was let let me let me start with this Mm -hmm. i have gone this week and i have listened to a lot of the broadcast on the radio just because you know the the history that's leaving with shane Mm -hmm. and and that and it brings back a lot of the memories to me listening to Shannon do the KMOX games on television, you know, growing up, because that's a lot of the things that we would get. We'd get Randolph, yeah. we'd get Shannon, you'd get Buck. Mm-hmm. Just a lot, a lot of good memories for me as a lifelong Cardinals fan and my family are Cardinals fans, you know, one of those one of those deals. Yesterday I thought was particularly rough. And at yeah. one point I looked and Amber was looking at me like, what is he talking about? I mean, you couldn't even make it out. No. And I know that we've heard a lot of that and I don't want to beat him up. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was tough so much so that I was like, okay, I would rather listen to Dan at this point, you know, and I like Dan don't, I don't want it to come out like that. Right. Right. But the, so I, I listened to that. So I was just scrolling Twitter toward the end of the game and I saw something on the lines of, Hey, he's going out with a bang on this one. And I thought, Oh no, what happened? You know, type situation. Then you see about 30 minutes later, you see the situation and how quick they were coming out and, and, and trying to throw a wet towel on it <laughs> real fast, <laughs> you know, to try to figure these things out. And then I started, my, my mind started racing a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, do I look at it like, they threw up, they, they threw together this new hotel. You're putting these phases together quickly. Are you doing it to make a few billion dollars? You know, is that, is that what this yeah. is? You have your down year, but then you look and you're thinking now, aren't they completely set up with succession with uh builder with the third coming in and, and shouldn't, couldn't this be a long-term and wouldn't that long-term play make more sense? So yeah. I don't know. And I was thinking I would be shocked to see them sell it, but I was going to ask you, I mean, is a money play in today's financial whatever, however we look at it, would that be a good one for them? I don't, you know, I don't know all, all the, especially when you get into that kind of money, I don't deal with anything like that. Um, but just in general, I mean, you look at, you know, they invested $150 million and, and they're going to be able to up their basis, especially if you're selling the whole, the whole thing, you know, ballpark village and all that kind of stuff. You, you know, you're going to be able to, so what you put into it, 
but still they're talking about a significant like you know millions of dollars um if not more in capital gains yeah um that again there's there's there may be some other loopholes or maybe some other ways around it but it does feel like that would be a significant amount that they would be paying now that they may also feel like if they if they were going to sell it in the next five years maybe it's to do it now before the rates you know go up or whatever if they thought it, if they were thinking about it they might go ahead and try to do that but i don't think so and i don't feel like there's been you're right build the width the third is an active person in this sure um it's not like he just happens to be the son of the owner and he doesn't want this thing i would imagine he would i i don't see i mean baseball is what he has known all his life so and we have talked with bill dewitt at pretty much every bill dewitt the third pretty much at every blogger day i think he's been at every one of them or almost every one of them um and he's always seemed to be you know involved especially on the business side of things and that's what you know it's just like his you know he's not going to be you know, picking the players or anything. Um, but if he was be the one that would outrun the thing, I, I don't think that would be reasonable. Now, granted, we, we say the DeWitts are going to sell. This is a group of flat people, right? I mean, the DeWitts yeah. are the front men, but there are other people in this ownership group. Sure. And I'm not even a hundred, I'm, I'm not sure that the DeWitts even own the biggest chunk of it. I may be wrong. They may. Um, but, um, so that may, you know, maybe that they want to keep theirs and they're going to buy out some of the rest of the group or something. I don't know. I really don't know. You're right. Shannon, the history with Shannon is remarkable. Um, and I, I don't think that we recognize as much this year what the COVID case did to him last year. I didn't remember listening to him as much last year in um, – and having this problem, but every you're right. Every time this year, there's not any energy there. Um, you know, the crowd will drown him out at times. Um, <laughs> the it, it is difficult to follow, and I, and I think that you know, like you said, he almost died yeah. from COVID this off season. It's it's not surprising at whatever he is eighty something now um, that he's having trouble recovering from that even when he's only doing 50 games so you know I, I don't fault him for that but the shannon that i have heard this year and i haven't heard a lot of it is not quite the shannon of even a few years ago where you get the stories and everything like that it just yes um it's just really you know trying to get through the game it feels like and and you hate that you hate to see that go yeah. out it's 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 interesting to see that Shannon is at 50 years and it's retiring and Bob Uecker is at 50 years. And I don't, you know, I mean, granted, you know, Shannon got to it probably a little bit later in, in the game, although Uecker was a player too. I, you know, I think everybody, from everything I've heard, I don't listen to the, to Uecker on the radio very much because I'm watching the Cardinal games. Um, but from everything I've heard, he's still got, you know, he's still going at it pretty well. And there's a few others that have done it for 50 years. We saw the, the Dodgers, um, Spanish retire uh, Spanish announcer is retiring. I think after sixty something years, after the end of this year. Yeah, um, remarkable to see these guys that have had you know five decades or more behind the mic. Um, but yeah, I I have to take that with a great, a huge grace. It was a a great tweet um, from Brian Hoffman uh, <laughs> this uh, yesterday, and it, you yeah. know, first of all, he said, you know, Shannon's just going out, you know burning all the bridges and stuff. And, and he's got this thing where it's like Rooney saying, and now Goldschmidt bats with two outs in the sixth. And Shannon says, did I ever tell you who really killed Kennedy? <laughs> you know, it's like, let's just get all the secrets out there, you know, all this kind of stuff. So um, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to, to see. So there, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Right. It, I, I can't, it's by, it bothers me to even, uh, to even kind of make fun of him a little bit, and, it, yeah. and it's tough. It's it's one of those during the 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 young double yesterday, mm. you wouldn't know who was hitting, you didn't know what happened until Rudy kind of had to jump in and uh, um had to jump in and kind of save the call. It was yeah. really really rough. I was like, oh man, this is this is stuff to listen to, you know. And this is one of those. Does he still smoke? I can't uh, imagine at this point, especially over COVID. But man, it no. would surprise me really. I can't. 
I can't believe that he does now. That may be why COVID hit him so hard, but um, and it may have the COVID COVID may have damaged his lungs in that regard. But uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't. You're right. I can't imagine that he does now, um, especially not this year. But you're right. I mean, now, granted, it's been years since Shannon actually described the action of the game. Um, <laughs> you know, there were a lot of times where I would be driving around town because I, you know, be going someplace. I'm like, what's the score? What's going on? And Shannon's in the middle of telling some story. You know, and nowadays when you can, you know, pull up your phone and say, oh, the score's four to two. Now we can listen to Shannon's story and it makes him a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, it's, there, there are millions of stories and it's, it's a great thing, but it's also, I think it's probably time and you're right. It's, it's been difficult, but, um, I can't, I can't really put a whole lot of stock into that. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things that Shannon heard something and, you know, either took it wrong or blew it out of proportion or something like that. I, I truly believe now don't tell me, I, I truly believe he thought, that the DeWitts were maybe looking to sell the team or he'd hurt, but I don't believe that that's actually got any basis in truth. We may find out that we're completely wrong here in a few yeah. years, but I think it's also difficult for the, for the front office and everybody to say, look, we're not selling the team and then turn around, you know, two weeks later and sell the team. Yeah. The, uh, is there any chance there was bad blood on this one out of his restaurant? Oh, I mean, it's possible. I, I don't imagine that the relationship between Mike Shannon and, the ownership is all that great. Although if you, uh, yeah, listen, to, if you yeah. listen to the clip, he starts out by saying, you know, that after he says that he says basically that the Cardinals couldn't find anybody better to run this yeah. team than the way he's very complimentary of them and ended up, you know, when Augie and, and all them were, were ownership. Um, so I don't think that he necessarily holds a lot of a grudge, but there's gotta be some there because yeah, I mean, he would still have his restaurant if it wasn't for ballpark village. Yeah. And, and, and you know that what what would this I mean this weekend I mean what yesterday they were having a a party after the game for Mike Shannon and three years ago five years ago it would have been over at his restaurant you know what I'm saying yeah. and and it yeah. wasn't there and that's that that's, was the that place to go when I was growing up it was crazy yeah. um so that that part's sad and it, and there is but I mean in, in any relationship and I mean Mike's been with the organization for what I mean since a player it's it's. 60 70 years something like that I, mean, I don't i don't really know it's probably 60 yeah, years at least yeah it's over 60 i think yeah i mean anytime there's going to be ups and downs right i mean ozzy smith walked away from the organization with tony the russo was there and now he's like everything you know i mean there's just there debs and flows in a relationship for that long so yeah you know hopefully as as shannon's coming to the end of this connection that he has with the cardinals um he's appreciating what it is and who is, who is around. Um, I think we, we wandered way off of the actual postseason roster because that's what I did. How, what do they do for this wild card game? You know, the t- traditional way of stocking your roster here is to put all your starters and leave them at home basically. Yeah. And, you know, put you a couple extra bats or a couple extra relievers in there. I don't know that the Cardinals, you know, Ben Cerruti sent us some messages this week talking about what that roster is going to look like. Cardinals don't just have a whole lot of extra people to put in there. Right. I mean, yeah. and that's kind of what we're talking about with this, you know, 28 cutting down to 26, you know, they don't have like three or four guys in the minors that they can go ahead and call up. I mean, they do have some, but they don't really have any need for that. I don't, I mean, is this roster going to look that much different than what it does every day? I wouldn't think so. I, I would guess, no, I would. I wouldn't think so. The uh, uh, now, what did you say you had to cut down? They're at twenty eight now. They go to twenty six. Should go to twenty six because that's a normal normal. Yeah, yeah. Roster. So uh, I would. Could you see a situation where it's just no? I if it would my two, I would think that Lester and mm-hmm. Michaelis probably do not get added for the one game. Yeah. Um, I could see it being maybe Woodford as well. But uh, but I'm not certain. I just think you're going to go bullpen heavy on those. Um, and you obviously, I don't think you're going to pitch. Those are the two that I think that are Lester and Michaelis are the ones that you know aren't going to pitch out of the uh, um, out of the pen. I think they have a lot of hope that Hudson does well tonight, to where he makes it a definite for him to be on that postseason roster. Mm-hmm. I still are they. Flaherty's interesting to me. 
because I don't feel like Flaherty has looked that sharp to say, hey, if Wainwright falters, that's exactly where we're going. I don't know how much confidence I have in that yet. Um, and I don't know if they do. But I, that those are the questions that I have of, of how they're going to fill in those roles because I think they fall in love with that long man a little bit too much, but I think that they'll probably be guilty of that again this in, in for the playoff. I, I agree, definitely agree Lester will not be on the roster because Lester's pitching game one of the yeah. divisional series if you make it. So you got to have him available for that because that's just two days later. So you're not, I mean, there's no there's no way that he would pitch in this game. So you leave him home. That's fine. And, and Michaelis, maybe you're the same way. If he's game three starter, maybe you do that as well. Although he could probably pitch an inning or two in this game and still pitch yeah. the second game of that series. Um, and it is a little bit interesting, right? Because you're going to load these guys up just in case. But, you know, best case scenario is Adam Wainwright goes six or seven. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if Adam, if Adam Wainwright only goes two innings and you need these long men, you're not going to win anyway. Probably. I no. mean, not against the Dodgers. I don't. I mean, I know that's what happened in 2012 against the Nationals, but let's. That's been a while. Um, I don't think you'd see a, a huge comeback that you need to hold the line. But even if you do, even I mean, Wainwright leaves after two, and you're right. You if you've Hudson's there. KK's there, Woodford's there. You're covering the end of the game. You may not yeah. win, but you're going to cover the cover the game right with those guys, even if you do have to just hold the line. Um, and then you've got Cabrera and Reyes, and Garcia and McFarland, and and all those kind of guys at the back of it as well, who should be fairly rested. I assume that. See, they have two days off between the between the end of the season and the game, so that's good. And some of those guys probably won't pitch Sunday just to be super safe, you know, uh, fully rested. Because Gallegos, I think, needs the rest, uh, if nothing else. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, you take those two guys off, then you know, you just take this regular roster. Yeah. And that's probably the way it goes, but yeah, it'd be nice. Be nice if there was somebody else that they could bring up. But I, you know, I don't think they trust the postseason to some guy that hasn't played in the regular season yet. Yeah, that's. I would think the same thing. The uh, and you know, it's looked at. I was I was kind of wondering. I was thinking, well, in a one game deal, I mean, how creative could you get? But yeah. I, there's just not. There's a lack of creativity, you know what I mean, yeah. of options to even be creative. Right. So, right. so yeah, I mean, there's a lot on Wainwright's shoulders, you know, because the your goal is to get him into the sixth or seventh and then play with the bullpen where you feel like you have the advantage, I would think. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, go from there. So, you know, if things fall, go off the rails that way, then, you know, there's no telling what we may see. Now, you could see a situation where they leave another – arm off that they don't think they're going to need. Um, and they do bring up Justin Williams or something like that to have at least one more bat off the bench um, for this game. Yeah. I would be a little bit surprised again, just because they haven't done that. They haven't, we haven't seen many of those guys, but a guy that is like that or Dean, that's already on the 40 man that, you know, doesn't require any kind of really special thing just to go ahead and bring him up. Um, I think that that's a possibility just to try to strengthen that bench a little bit uh, or give you at least another option off of it. Cause you're right. That bench is, yeah, you know, you do, you know, if it, thankfully you just hope you don't have to pinch it for the pitcher very often, you know, let, yeah. let Wainwright hit for himself at least once or twice, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's the only thing you would see that's of somebody that's not here now would be a Williams or a Dean being added just probably just for that game too. I mean, once you get into the the divisional series, you're pretty much looking at the regular roster. Yeah, I would think so. A um, couple of things then for this weekend, of course it means nothing except it's the Cubs and you like to beat them. Do we see Adam Wainwright come out of the bullpen um, and get a little bit of work in because he pitched what Tuesday night, he won't pitch again for till Wednesday. Next yeah. Wednesday. So um, does he come out of the bullpen? And if so, does that help <laughs> is make sure that's a Yadier Molina game and that gives him a, another chance to, 
to come together. Or is that a, that's not starts, right? That's appearances. That, 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 that I don't know. I need to check. Cause they've, but first, I, they've, they've, I, I will tell you the Wainwright rest worries me a little bit now, oh, yeah? you know, well, it, it would be the eight days and it, uh, I was, I, I'd like Wainwright on the regular rotation, you know, and I feel like they do too. And that's why they put him in every one of the last series. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It concerns me a little bit, but it's also it, he wasn't necessarily that sharp the last two starts. So maybe it'll be beneficial. I don't know. I would be surprised to see him out of the uh, out of the pen this weekend, but I feel like it's going to be up to him. Yeah, I, I would not be too surprised if uh, he pitched an inning or maybe a couple innings on Saturday. Yeah, um, just enough to make sure he doesn't lose anything. It does look like the record between Wainwright and Molina is games, not starts. Okay, so that means that you know the you know Wainwright had to get had the start on Tuesday without Yachty because somehow you know yeah. Yachty's hurt. You know Yachty's hurt yeah. when oh yeah he sits a day on the day after on a Wainwright start that you know he's just on a clincher. Go. Yeah, yeah, on, that, yeah. Now, honestly, that has me. I have some concern on that. I think it's fair. I think it's no. fair. It's going to be, you know, I know they're saying that, and they should play. He and Sosa both should probably play this weekend, but that's something to watch, right? I mean, yeah. if they don't, if they don't, that's really, I mean, especially for Sosa, that just yeah. makes, makes you wonder about the postseason. Yachty's going to be there. Yeah. If Yachty oh, has one yeah. arm, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, in Woodford starting on Sunday, it was something I hadn't thought about when we go back to the rosters. That probably yeah. takes him off for Wednesday, I would that's guess. For, uh, I, yeah, I would, yeah. I would, I was slightly surprised that we didn't see a Flaherty start on Sunday just because that would have, I don't, you know what? I, I can talk out of both sides of my mouth on this because I think that, that, uh, I'm not completely certain if he didn't have, if they don't think that, that his appearance this week, doesn't earn him a start in a potential second round, you know, and and it kind of worries me a little bit. I don't know. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with Flaherty is, I mean, because they started him. Um, and then they went to the bullpen. It feels to me like if they were planning on him being a starter in the, in the postseason, they would have given him another start and it would have been another, you know, another short start, another piggyback with Hudson but he would have gone 30 or 40 pitches or something like that. Try to build him up to at least somewhat of a, so that maybe he could go three or four innings, at least in the, uh, the playoffs. They've gone ahead and shifted him. You know, his next start was to the bullpen. I, it feels to me like they're going to hope for a, they would really like him to be sharp enough to be like a John Smoltz type, right? You know, just, yeah. uh, you know, a guy that's been a starter can come in and, and throw heat for an inning and, you know, maybe give a little bit of relief to, to Reyes and Gallegos. Um, yeah. He was, I think we talked about it a little bit surprising. Uh, you know, we knew that it was going to happen because they like to give these kind of things to people that have been there all year long. Um, and so it wasn't surprising that Gallegos got the clincher, um, even though they were up by four. But that would have been a really interesting time to see Jack Flaherty um, and see what he could do in the late innings like that in a game that wasn't over, but wasn't close, you know. Um, and give him a, a taste of that. I mean, and, and see, because, I mean, the idea of having him in the seventh or eighth inning as a guy that, if he could pitch like Jack Flaherty for one inning at the end of games, yeah, I mean, that would be that would be a huge weapon for them. Sure. You know, and you kind of wonder if they don't hope. That may be more indicative of what they think of him right now, that they're just yeah. trying to figure some stuff out. And, yeah. you know, I think in a, if you ask them, they would want it to be a Bumgarner type relief situation where he can go two or three innings. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. I Just like I've said, I said this last week. Sometimes just going, hey, this guy's a great starter. He's going to be a great bullpen piece. That I, Sometimes they right. just don't work. You're a right. lot of times those just don't work. And that concerns me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's – well, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I definitely think it's true. I was trying to decide if I thought it worked better for – you know, I think like flamethrowers <laughs> – Excuse me, my dog has. They, seen they don't believe me. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, flame. Well, I think that I like to think that flamethrowers are more likely to um, be able to do that shift than a guy like like Adam Wainwright. Right now, you wouldn't necessarily want to put him in the bullpen because yeah. he's got to be crafty. Um, 
but a guy that could come in and throw 89 or 95 miles an hour, you feel like, okay, they can do that for an inning, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know. It'd be very interesting. Um, but I mean, it really feels like if he can't, if Jack Flaherty isn't going to be a bullpen piece and he's not going to be on this postseason roster. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and I, yeah, I feel like whatever appearance he has this weekend is going to be big for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dakota Hudson pitches tomorrow, tonight, right? I think it's tonight. Yeah. Yep. Um, we saw, we've seen good stuff out of Hudson so far. How deep do you think he goes in games? And is he going to be a guy? Do you think that they wind up if they get to that second round? Is he getting a start over like Jay Happ? See, I, the, why I bring up Happ so regularly as a bullpen piece for the, the play, for the play in game, for the wild card game is that we heard that Hap's a guy that can pitch out of the bullpen or in the rotation. We heard mm-hmm. that from the start, and it was reported. And that is one of those things, when those comments come out, that means they're very comfortable throwing them in a bullpen situation, which means they're going to probably be pretty flexible, which may, which also makes me think that, that Michaelis has at least that third spot locked up. Um, I don't, You know what? I know that they were impressed with Hudson in Chicago. Yeah. Um, another good start tonight might change that quite a bit. And it's almost wouldn't be fair to Hap because Hap's one of the main reasons why they're here. But I like Hudson. I know that there is a, uh, a lot of questions of, you know, when is this going to fall apart for him? It still hasn't, but I'm not so certain a playoff run is one of those you want to test to see if it keeps right. going. Right. Um, yeah, I think – but then there's a, on the flip side, there's an argument to be made that he's got the fresh storm out there, um, which could be good. You know, yeah. again, yeah. he's not a guy that's going to strike the guys out and really needs to overpower people. But, um, I, but you're right. I, I, he's just a year off Tommy John. Do you really want to, to go that route? I don't know. And it may not matter. You know, again, they lose that for that game in the, in the play playing game. It doesn't really make any difference, but it's very interesting to me it's very interesting to me how much they have pushed Dakota Hudson versus some of the guys we've seen in the past. Right. You know, it feels like, it feels like a lot of times they would have been content with, with Hudson pitching in the minors and would have shut him down at the end and having ready for next year. And for some reason, you know, they haven't done that this year. They seem to be, and maybe he's just recovered better than some others. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. There's probably other things, but it, I just I'm really surprised that they were so aggressive with bringing him to the back to the major leagues after having the surgery last year. Well, you kind of, and it was funny how quick they were doing so and how aggressive they were about it. Whenever you got the feeling that it was more about Hudson, that it was just like, yeah. hey, we want to stretch him out so he's going to be ready to go, and he really wants to make an appearance in the big leagues this year. To where that kind of changed, where you're thinking, hey, we're going to need him for this run. Where you don't, I don't necessarily know if that's true or not. So that it, it is funny how that how they have handled him over some of the others. I don't know, and I would love to know. I would love to know what. I would love to look at their programs and to see what numbers they see over over other people to want to yeah. want to push this because your gut reaction like is like I mean this is like walking not throwing much in a playoff situation you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then you see him with with. Uh, Ishikawa, you know what I mean? Not that yeah, I, I know right. that that's going to be out there, especially if they yeah. play the Giants. But you just kind of wonder. You're thinking, why some guys and not the others? I think that that's a great question. Yeah, I don't because it just feels like there have been times where we thought, well, it's kind of like Carlos Martinez, right? A couple yeah. of years ago, and and they finally brought him back, you know, but as a reliever, but he wasn't going to be able to start, or you know, they didn't want to make that, you know, but this. You know, then we see them, you know, pushing Hudson to starter or using Flaherty as that opener first thing. Um, I mean, there's different situations and different players and, and all this kind of stuff, but it just it feels to me like in the past this would have been a thing where they would have shut it down and you know, maybe he would have made an appearance this weekend after things were done. Um, and just to have him ready for next you know, let him have that little taste before next year. But I don't know that they would have, you know, pushed him to be a postseason guy. Then, you know, then again, I mean, they, you know, maybe it's more comparable to the Wainwright uh, Achilles thing where he was gone last year and then came back as a bullpen beast. True. I I don't know. Um, It just felt a little bit weird to me. Yeah. 
Um, it would have made sense because I, I, I'm convinced that Wainwright would have started that final weekend if they were in it. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think that he'd built up to that. He probably would have. Um, last thing as we, as we wrap, well, maybe last thing we'll see. Um, <laughs> last weekend in Bush for Matt Carpenter. I mean, I think we, everybody can, can see that best case scenario for him in St. Louis next year is he's got a minor league invite to spring training. Um, does I'd be very surprising to see him on the roster next year. Yeah. Would think. So, you know, Matt Carpenter is two for 27 this month. Um, both hits doubles, of course. Um, he, how much does he play this weekend? I think he probably plays every game. Um, you think he starts every game? Uh, probably. The uh, I think that you're going to see. I think you're going to see him go out. I will tell you. I think he leads off Sunday. I yeah. thought he was going to lead off the gate the day after the clincher to see Newt Bar doing him hit cleanup. Kind of surprised me. I was thinking. I think that he's going to be leading off, and they're going to give him a the complete uh, uh, gratitude the whole weekend. Um, it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really weird deal. I just I just feel like he plays a lot. Um, I had another point to make. I can't remember what it was, but but I do think that's. I think you're going to see him lead off at least one of the games this weekend, and I I fully think it's going to be Sunday. I I do think they want to get to 90 wins, uh, but I feel like they feel they think they can win at least one this weekend to get there. Yeah, you know, one of those deals. Yeah. So I do think Carpenter plays all weekend. I I definitely think he starts Sunday, for sure. Um. Being that, I was, I was a little bit surprised he didn't play yesterday with because Goldschmidt set yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was yeah, a little bit surprised was, he, he didn't. Wednesday, Arenado at third, Carpenter, and then uh, right. yesterday at first. I could see him playing second tonight. Did he play first yesterday? I was watching the game, so I, yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did because that would have been the uh, yeah. Because I know that it was Nolan on Wednesday, Goldie yesterday. Yeah, okay. Okay. I didn't yeah. I didn't realize he was farther down the lineup, but yeah. Okay. So he's at I seventh, I believe. Yeah, he did. Okay. I was just kind of following along while I was uh, at the hospital with my yeah. wife. So uh, I didn't it's not like he did anything to notice that he was there. Yeah. So um I didn't process that. So yeah, I, I that does that makes me wonder a little bit. Yeah, he could play second maybe tonight and then maybe but I, you know, kind of feel Is like it- Everybody, they're going to have at least one day probably, yeah. that they're going to have the, the regular lineup in there. And that may be. And that, and that may very well be tonight, you know, for that yeah. 90. Now that I think about it, after playing two, starting two days in a row and with Edmund sitting Wednesday, I think that may be a little aggressive on him. Yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if he played all three. I fully expect him to play Saturday and Sunday. Start yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Um. I believe it helps now, right? That they won 17 and they're going to the playoffs. And so everybody gets a little bit of a glow to them. Yeah. But I would like to think even so he, we get a good, some good response this weekend. I I think, I don't think anybody's going to, nobody's going to go into that thinking, not realizing that it's Matt Carpenter's last weekend. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I feel like that it's going to be, I think it'd be pretty special for him this weekend, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. Because, yeah. you know, Carpenter has been a guy that, I you know, the, he he's so good. He, he's really burned bright there for a few years. Yeah. And there's no doubt that we've talked about it, right? Since the end of 18, that last five or six weeks of 18, since then, it's been a struggle. And that's a long time for a guy that's played just 10 years. You know, we're talking to her over two years of his career have been less than ideal. But yeah. uh, when he was, when he was on and in that, you know, that basically Mike Matheny era, um, it was, it was pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, without you, know, a doubt. you know, and I think that, you know, everybody's He's, talking about him being a, a Cardinal hall of famer. I think that's probably true. I agree. It's going to be a little bit interesting to see how Matt Carpenter is remembered. Yeah three or four years or five or six years or whatever after that, are we going to remember the end of it more? Like I said, the last two or three years, I'm sure we're going to remember the 55 doubles and the, you got to be the salsa run 
and and things of that nature. But when people, especially when people that didn't watch Matt Carpenter play, go back and look at that, you know, what are they gonna what are they gonna think? Um, his career line right now is two sixty two with a eight seventeen OPS. Um, it's you know one hundred fifty five home runs of the Cardinal. You know, what is that legacy going to be like for him, do you think? Uh, and I, got, you know well, I got a little deep for the end of the show. I'm yeah, sorry no, about no, that. No, that's all right. It is a, uh, I hope and I expect it to be a lot better than what we've seen in the last couple of years. I mean, because just because, I mean, he was a good player, you know, mm-hmm. in 18 and 19, you know, and it's, uh, you, uh, yeah. to take on the roles that he has, to move positions, to move around the field, and to be the, the, you know, the main master of a leadoff hitter for all those years, I, I think that he's going to be remembered very fondly. I think the ones that, I think the people, the anti-Carpenter is the vocal minority, I feel like. Yeah. I think that's, and that's fair. I mean, and he was not, and he, he was not served any favors last year or even earlier on this year. Well, I don't think he did too much this year, but those, those times where they kept running him out there, kept leading him off when he wasn't hitting, you know, I, I wonder if he wouldn't have a little bit better, better feel for things if he had, you know, played a little bit less maybe. Yeah, in these, in that's, these true. Times. that's true. That's um, true. Cause he did, he got a chance and he, and you know, when he struggled, the team struggled and a, a little bit too. And he kind of took a little bit of the brunt of that, um, you know, especially this year when the team was, was so bad. So, um, anyway, um, yeah, be interesting to see how that, how that goes this week, uh, or this weekend. So, um, we will be back with you next week to talk about the, uh, wild card game. And hopefully we're talking about a continuing of the season, but if not, um, it's been, it's been a heck of a run. So for Alan, I am Daniel. Good night. Good night.